this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm going to go to Matthew 7 and then Acts chapter 20. Now, when you talk about Jesus himself, Jesus talked about eternity, heaven and hell quite frequently. But it's interesting that in our society, we'll, we'll reference heaven a lot, but not hell. And it's like we want to ignore that very thought. But if you were going to go on a vacation, and it was going to be a great vacation, wouldn't you want to gather much information that you could about how you're going to spend your time and where you're going to go and what all you're going to do? Yeah, every one of us would do that. But yet when it comes to eternity, we shy away from it. Jesus got some great things to say to us pertaining to eternity. And I want to read one verse in Matthew 7, verse 21. Let's begin here today. I encourage you, get your Bible out. Look what Jesus said. Verse uh, 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus' words are very clear here. Not everyone who confesses me as Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this contradicts a lot of the message that's spoken in our churches around America right now. And some of you may say, well, you don't believe in praying the sinner's prayer? No, I believe in it. I believe in, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that you confess Jesus as Lord and you repent of your sins. But even in verse 21 here, Jesus uses the word but. And salvation is the beginning point. It's the starting point. It's not the ending point. And look how Jesus clarifies the, the but at the end of verse 21. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, the doers of the word will be justified. And when I look at what Jesus said here, the doing of the word of God, the doing of Father God's will, is the proof or the evidence that Father God's looking for in each one of our lives. And so it's easy to confess Jesus as Lord. But it's not just about your, your talky-talky. Jesus is saying you've got to put a little walky-walky with your talky-talky. In other words, you're going to have to live your life as if Jesus is Lord of your life. Now here's what's interesting about this, this verse. Jesus said in there that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. If they don't enter the kingdom of heaven... As far as I can read biblically, there's only one other place they can go. So right here, Jesus is referencing eternity again. Now, salvation is free, but it's going to cost you your freedom. What do I mean by that? I believe when we get born again, it's called the great exchange. You exchange your will and you say, Father God, now I'm living for your will. Now let's go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and you know, as I was writing this, that Jesus began to speak into my heart just as far as about the, the marriage covenant. Do you get married for what the person can do for you, or do you get married for who the person is? See, that's a, a lot is the same with Jesus. Do we get born again only for what Jesus can do for us? Or do we get born again because just who Jesus is? Now, we're going here to Acts 20. And when I begin to share this, the, the way the Apostle Paul describes all this, 
I want you to get my heart on this too. Because when I study this, I realize real quick, man, I've got to follow what Paul did just so you guys know the truth. Acts 20, verse 27. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, Paul said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. What was my lifestyle? Now, Paul's getting ready to declare to these believers here the lifestyle, the manner that he always lived before him. So in verse 19, he said, I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord. I just didn't confess the Lord. I serve the Lord with all humility. In other words, I didn't just live for me. I didn't live selfishly. I lived with humility, with many tears and trials, adversity or affliction, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now, he's warning us here that the walk of a believer, a Christian, is not always easy. It's not always fun. And I want you to grab a hold of the words, with many tears and trials. Verse 20. How I kept back nothing, or I didn't shrink back, that was helpful. But I proclaimed it to you, and I taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, number one, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's the same for us today, that we still preach repentance toward God, that I'm called to repent of my sin, but I'm also called to live by faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That's never stopped. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies or affirms in every city, saying that chains, jail, and tribulations and sufferings await me. Now, just think about some of the words that Paul used to describe his life. With many tears, and trials, and afflictions. And even the possibility of jail time. But yet he didn't run from this. He didn't say, time out, I don't want to be a Christian anymore if this is what's going to happen. He didn't shrink back for it. And what happens to us as Americans, we have been so blessed as a nation that we don't understand at times the tribulations, the tears, the very things that these men in the Bible and the women in the Bible went through for the cause of Jesus Christ. Actually, if you study the deaths of most of the disciples, it's terrifying. Beheaded. Crucified upside down. Now, I don't say this to put a fear in us, but it's to warn us that there are going to come times when there can be tribulation. There can be affliction. There can be tears. It's okay. God's going to help us. Now listen to his thought here when he describes all this in verse 24. But none of these things move me. They don't cause me to quit or give up. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. 
So I go back and I think to all the things he just said as far as the tribulations and the jails and stuff. And he said, my ultimate goal is to finish my race with joy. And so these things didn't freak him out. They didn't cause him to run and say, you know what, I'm going to move to another country. I'm going to buy five acres in the wilderness. I'm going to go barricade myself in. Nowhere in there does he shrink back. He keeps running and he says, my goal is to finish my race with joy. And the ministry, which was his assignment. Do you know every one of us in this room, as a believer, you have an assignment. And your assignment is to be godly wherever you live and wherever you work, where you become the salt of your workplace, where you become the light. And many times in our life, when the going gets tough, you know what our thought is? This can't be the will of God for me to work here. Maybe it is. Maybe God's saying, listen, you're the only person I got at that place. Without you, not one of them will go to heaven. And so Paul says here, I'm going to finish my race with joy, and I'm going to finish my assignment, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify or to declare to the gospel of the grace of God. This was a man who wasn't ashamed of the gospel. This was a man who wasn't ashamed to say, I am a Christian. Jesus is Lord of my life. Now we get into something here in verse 25 and 26. And this is some of the stuff that I really begin to sense even in my own life. The reason I've spoke on this, I want you guys to know the truth. And it's found right here in the Bible. Now look real close what he says in verse 25. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. In other words, this was a man who knew that his time to, to die was coming soon. And he was saying, you won't see my face anymore here on earth. You'll see me again in heaven. Now these are his last words, and look what he says in verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day, or I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, Paul was saying, I don't want the blood of any of you on my hands. What does that mean right here? That on the day of judgment, the Apostle Paul didn't want any men or women that he had declared the truth to to look at them and say, you knew the truth and you didn't tell it to me. You knew the ultimate goal here, but yet you weren't willing to speak it. And so Paul says, I testified to you the truth. I gave you the truth and therefore I don't want the blood of people on my hands. That's one of the reasons I preach the word of God. I want you to see the word. And one of my greatest fears in eternity is the Lord Jesus, number one, to look at me and say, you didn't speak the truth. And I don't want to ever look at any of you in eternity and you look at me and say, you knew the truth and you didn't tell it to me. So guess what? We're going to preach the Word. You're going to get the truth of the Bible. And 
I'm not going to apologize for it. This is the Word of God. So we keep reading, and look what the Apostle Paul said. For I have not shunned or shrunk back to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, I didn't give you just bits and pieces of the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes the Word of God is annoyingly accurate. How many of you have ever had the Word of God where it just slaps you upside the head? That's a good thing. That's the conviction of God that says, listen, I don't want you living that way. Why? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The only way that I get away from it is to hear the truth. Verse 23. Therefore take heed or guard to yourself and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseas to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. There was a huge price that was paid for the church. Jesus' blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves or false teachers will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Woo! Now the reason I'm highlighting this, I believe to a degree we're walking in that right now. And this will explain some things right here through the Word. Verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking of perverse or misleading things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. They'll distort the truth. That's why it's important that you get a Bible. And you see the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you this today. Don't believe me. Look at the Word of God, okay? This is what we got to follow right here. He goes on to say, Therefore, watch and remember... That for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The Apostle Paul said, I warned you night and days with tears. You could sense the intensity on the man that he understood fully. That heaven and hell is a reality. It's going to take place. Verse 32. So now brethren, fellow believers, Christians... I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. i got to get a hold of the word. And the word of His grace. Why is it important for me to get a hold of the word and the word of His grace? Look what it says it would do for you. Which is able to build you up. It is able to build you up on the inside and to give you a spiritual inheritance in other words, when I live by the Word of God, the Word of God will direct me right on into eternity. But it's a day-by-day, day-by-day, day-by-day process because he ends in verse 32 and he says, among all those who are sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. We're to live differently than the world. Now, sanctification is a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but as long as I get into the Word of God and I stay under the grace of God, there's going to be a process. How many of you are farther along spiritually right now than you were 10 years ago? Dear Jesus, I hope you are. How many of you right now are farther along spiritually right now than you were a year ago? Most of us. You know what happens? Is I keep getting into the Word and I keep getting under the grace... And this is how my life gets. 
It will be a process, and God will continually sanctify you. Now, what happened in my own life that, that didn't convict me 30 years ago, it may convict me now. You know why? Because God starts maturing you as a believer. So you look at your life, certain things you were doing 10, 20, 30 years ago, you do them to this day, the Lord will convict your heart. That's why I should never judge other people for what they're doing, because God may deal with you and convict your heart about a thing, but he may not have convicted their heart about that yet. So the process of sanctification. Now, verse 32 is cross-referenced to Hebrews 13. I want you to turn to Hebrews verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 9. You've got to see this right here. Ooh, the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm going to run the race. I'm going to run the race, it said before me. And that's my prayer for every one of us. That we run that race and we run it with joy. Hebrews 13, verse 9. Do not be carried about or attracted, listen to this, with various and strange doctrines. Now remember he said in these, these days ahead of us, there will be savage wolves or false teachers that will come in. A warning. And right here, he warns us again that there's going to be some things that aren't going to be strange doctrines. Do you see the word doctrines there? That word doctrines is plural, which means there's going to be doctrine after doctrine after doctrine that ultimately contradicts the Word of God. But have you ever noticed the word truth? Truth is always in the singular. You know why? There's only one truth. And it's the B-I-B-L-E. It's the Word of God. And i got to get a hold of that. That the Word of God is my blueprint. John 8, 31, it says that if you abide in my Word and my Word abides in you, then you'll ask what you will and be done for you. Well, in verse 32, it says you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. But only the truth sets me free when I abide in it, when I live in it. So the longer I stay in the Word of God, the longer I stay in this book and I start living by it, and there's going to be some freedom. How many of you needing some freedom today? Stay in the book. Stay in the Word of God on a daily basis. And I believe in these last days, you got to grab it. Unlike any other time. Turn to the last book before Revelations. It's the book of Jude. It's one chapter. 25 verses. And through studying in this, I kept getting cross-referenced into the book of Jude. Through all these different passages here. So I go in here and I start studying it. And it's interesting what Jude has to say here. So we start in Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, getting born again, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, encouraging you, ex urging you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, why would he tell me here to contend earnestly for the faith? Fight for the faith. Defend the faith. 
don't compromise the truth. Because evidently there's coming a day when the, the, the truth, the faith, is going to be contended with. You're going to have to live by it. How do I contend with the truth? Number one, I think this, that the Word of God has got to be the final in your life. In other words, when I read the Word of God, there are no ifs, ands, or buts. The Word of God is it. Number two, I learn to know the Word. The only way I know to know the Word is to get into the Word. And third, is actually biblical there in James 1. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So i got to start applying the Word. So how do I contend with it? I understand there are no other application or alternations to the Word of God. i got to get that settled in my life. The Word of God is it. I don't care what Aunt Bessie said. I don't care what Brother Longtongue said. I've got to read the Bible. Why? Why is this so important? Verse 4. For certain men, one translation says godless men, have crept in. They've slipped in. They've wormed themselves in. One translation said they stealthed themselves in. Unnoticed. Who long ago were marked or predicted out for this condemnation. Ungodly men, now listen closely, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. They take the grace of God and they make it a license for immorality. Now here's a nugget for every one of us in here today. Reject anyone who teaches that grace is a license or permission from God to sin. When you hear grace used in a form, it's okay to do this or that, reject it. Grace is there to empower me to live the Word, to be the Word, to do the Word. And He's telling me right here, this stuff is going to happen. And so ultimately what's going on here when you begin to read it, there'll be men and women within the church, and their goal is literally to pervert the grace of God and you know why they want to perverse the grace of God? To excuse their ungodly lifestyles and their ungodly behaviors. We're seeing that right now in America. It wasn't long ago that I heard a guy who I used to love to listen to on TV. And he used grace as a license to sin. He used grace as a band-aid. And ultimately what, what people will start saying is, I know what I'm doing in my life is wrong, but thank God for His grace. That's not what grace was for. And so there's a strong warning with this. And look real close what this ultimately leads to at the end of verse 4. And they will deny the only, mark that, the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The only. In other words... There is no other God. And there's only way, one way to salvation. The Lord Jesus. Jesus Himself said the only way to the Father is through the Son. So what ultimately happens with all this stuff, you start hearing teachings that say this, well, there's a lot of different ways to get to God. Not according to that. 
And this may break some of your heart. This may make some of you want to write me letters. That's okay. Send them to me. And I don't mean that ugly, but I'm going to tell you, my life is off of this book. And when you read this book, you're going to get persecuted for standing up and saying, well, there is no other way to heaven but through the Lord Jesus. There is no other testament. There is no other Bible. And Jesus wasn't just a prophet. Jesus was the Son of God. And we got to get to that point because these are the things we're going to have to contend with the faith. Ooh, I hope you don't think he's hard. He's a teddy bear deep inside. I love Jesus and more so I love people. But I will not back off from telling people the truth. And so these are the things that are going on, guys. And some of you have been coming to church here for 10, 12, 13 years. And I appreciate you. When I read that passage about how the Apostle Paul said he spoke to him for three years, day and night with tears, you know what I saw? Not only was Paul loyal to them, they were loyal to Paul. And they said, you know what, Paul, we're in with you because you preached the Word of God. That's where we got to get. Now, the thing that's really, really interesting here is verses 5, 6, and 7. Jude makes some strong statements here, and this is what we got to get. Verse 5. But I want to remind you, though, you once knew this, that the Lord having saved or rescued the people out of the land of Egypt. Who was that? That was the Israelites. Afterward, he destroyed those who did not believe. What does that mean? They quit living for him. He rescued them out of bondage in Egypt. And when they got away, they quit believing him. They turned on God. You know where all that's found? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 starting in verse 5. And in that passage, it literally says, This was written for me and use example. Now, I encourage you to read it. It'll say that they, they got over into idolatry. They got over into lust. They got over into sexual sin. They tempted God and they complained against God. The very ones that he had rescued. Think about the last words. It said, and he destroyed them. Verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper or their own domain... But they left their own abode or their place they belonged. In other words, they didn't stay in the perimeters that God set upon them. These were the angels that rebelled against God. And look at their outcome. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Last, verse 7. And don't forget as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example or warning, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And when I look at all those, the first one was God's chosen. Because they rebelled against God, they rejected God, they were destroyed. The second one were the very angels that he created 
And they rebelled against God. And they said, we'll go with this Yehu named Lucifer. The third one's right here were the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you look with every one of those threes that Jude talks about, every one of them, eternity was damned. These were written for my example. So we go back to everything that he said. The day is here. It's not coming anymore. It's here, I believe, that this form of grace will come and people will begin to say, it's okay. I can live however I want. God's okay with it. Well, if he's so okay with it, why don't they put this in here? Ooh, Pastor, you're preaching good. See here again. The truth will only set me free. I don't stand before you being a perfect man. I'm far from perfect. Thank God for repentance. Number two, I don't stand before you perfect as a human being. Before I gave my heart to Jesus, guys, I was a sinner. But as long as I stayed with the Word of God, I had to start looking in my own heart with the Word and saying, I'm living in sin. And dear God, do not mention the word sin in church. We don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. It's interesting that Jesus calls sin, sin. We might as well call it what Jesus said, that when I get over and I do the things that he told me not, it's sin. To him who knows to do what's right and doesn't do it, it's sin. Pastor, you've been a sinner. Absolutely. I ran Paul a great race for being the chief sinner. But something happened to me when we got born again. I've got to take you to one last passage. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. You know, when we first started this six, seven weeks ago, whoo, it was rugged on me. But I can sincerely and honestly say today, man, I wash my hands. I wash my hands of this where you know the truth. And only you can make that choice. Now, the video we watched, this is right out of this right here. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, Jesus didn't write this right here for me and you to try to predict the dates that he's coming back. If I read what he said right there, the only one knows that day is Father God. So I might as well not worry about it. I can't change what's going to happen in time. Jesus is going to come back, what Father God said, and none of us know that time. So don't go run out and buy 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. You know why? Because he didn't. And when I was alive in 1988, and there was a book that came out that, you know what people did with that book? Freak out! They shocked them. The only thing that publisher did, he made a lot of money, and you know what he said? Suckers. They all went and bought it. No one knows. So why are we reading this? Keep reading. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man will be. So he's saying, as the second coming of Jesus will be, it will be very similar to the days of Noah. Where's that found? That's found in Genesis 6. You can go back and read it in Genesis 6. And so when it describes it in Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8, 
It says that they were very wicked and they became evil in their hearts. So when you study that, what ultimately happened back then, and I believe is happening right now, sin begins in our public life. And the reason it begins in our public life is because we still have a sense of wrong and right. But as long as I keep sinning and I don't repent and I don't turn from it, ultimately I come to the conclusion, it's all right. It's the norm. And when you read in Noah's days what happened, because of their immorality, God said you have literally forfeited your right to exist. As it was in the days of Noah... So it will be here. Verse 38. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So is there something wrong with us eating and drinking and giving in marriage? No. There's nothing wrong with that. But what has happened, we have conveniently ignored God's word, God's wrath, God's judgment, and we act like that's not ever going to happen. I'll be 54 here recent, or pretty quick. I'm trying to think there. And for probably 30, 40 years of my life, I've heard this. Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Carolyn, you're about 80 years old, aren't you? Have you heard that a long time, that Jesus is coming back soon? Yep. He is. I believe that too. But what ultimately happens is we hear that so much that we almost come callous to it and we think, eh, Christmas will be here in two months and Jesus still won't be here. And so what happened was they literally became lukewarm. Verse number 40, or 39. And they did not know until the flood came and they took them all away so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's telling me right here, this is Jesus, that history will repeat itself in this same way. And when Jesus comes back, it'll be sudden, and it'll be swift, and there will not be any last-second opportunities to repent. There will not be any last-second opportunities to bargain with Jesus. It'll be over. It'll be over. That's it. And we may think, how could God save this one but not that one? And just as we saw in the video, look here, starting in verse number 40, what he says. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the millstone. One will be taken and the other left. Is that because God said, any, meeny, miny, mo? I love you, I love you not. No. The reason that will occur is because there'll be ones that made the choice to live for God here on the earth and there'll be ones who chose not to. Verse 43. But know this, let me read verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. 
Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So what's the key? Christianity isn't just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. That every day I live for Jesus, and when I blow it, I repent. I come back under the blood and let Him wash me and I cleanse me, and I get back up. But I believe the Lord is saying today, run the race that's set before you. Run with endurance. Run with definite aim, just as a runner does. I mean, he sees the finish line. And I believe even the Apostle Paul was getting over that. He said, I see the finish line. The day is coming when I'm going to be out of here and I'm going to go to heaven. But i got to heed what he said here. i got to be ready and i got to be prepared every day. Every day. And I grasp a hold of the Word of God. And I live by the Word of God. My desire is to see people go to heaven. I mean, when I get around the world, there's, there's a love for me for the world like any other time. I, I can be around people, whether it's in a restaurant or even at Walmart, and, and I, I will sense the compassion of God for humanity come on me. That I believe it's a time we pray and it's a time we live for Him. Because this thing's going to wrap up. But here's the deal. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. I'm not ashamed to be called a Jesus freak. The day is coming when these things are going to really escalate in our, our society. You know, the, the pro football player, Manny Ramirez, he was here back in the spring. And I got around him just for a little bit. And you don't realize how big of a man he was. I came up to his belly button, I think. I mean, the guy was, he was ginormous. And he, he shook my little hand and, and it disappeared. I thought, where did it go? He was just huge. But he was a big teddy bear. And I said to him right there, I said, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I said, I want to say something to you. I'm more proud of you for being a godly man than for being a football player. His wife hunted me down and said, that's the greatest honor you could have ever said to him. He then proceeds to tell this story. That while he was here at Texas Tech playing, he was just eaten up with anger. He said, it was not uncommon for me to break a helmet. I would get so angry. He said, I get born again and Jesus comes into my life. I'm playing in the NFL and one Sunday he's playing against the Philadelphia Eagles and he misses a block and something happens. And he gets up and he begins to curse right there on the field. He said as he's walking back to the huddle, the Lord starts dealing with him in his heart right there on the football field. And as if the Lord was saying, you're a man of God. You don't act that way. You don't do that. And he found himself saying out of his mouth, Father God, I repent for saying Blankety, blankety, blank, whatever he said. Right there. Not a perfect man, but a man understood the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Little did he know that the nose guard for the Eagles heard him praying that. After the game's over, the nose guard from the Eagles runs down and catches him and says, I heard you praying and repenting right there on the field. I want to know your Jesus. 
He gives his heart to him. Why do I say that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. Wherever you go, don't be ashamed of Jesus. I mean, when you go out to eat today, and don't, don't do this just because of me, I like to get bold in restaurants. I don't say a, private, uh, a, a pirate's prayer over our meals. What's a pirate's prayer? I got one eye open and I'm looking around the room. I like to grab hands and say, we're going to pray. We're going to honor God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And many of you are like me. You, you were good sinners. You had a passion to sin. Woo, is the passion I had to sin. God did a 180 and He twisted me upside down and said, you're going to live for me. And I'm honored. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.